0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Coaching Chaos. Thank you so much for joining me. I have received several text messages over the last few days since my last podcast. There must be something to this feeling that I have that tugs on my heart to keep this going. And I'm not paying attention to, to numbers. I'm not doing dances and little videos on my Instagram page. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but... I just see those things on Instagram and I just feel like I could do more and I'm not doing enough. And and I realize I'm just putting this into Heavenly Father's hand and I'm not doing this for attention seeking. I'm doing it for the pure and simple reason that I share the gospel and I share it based upon the reflections that I have. And the tuggings of my heart must somehow be in line with what my Heavenly Father expects of me to do because the text messages and the comments that I've received um, stopping me in the grocery store, hey, I heard your podcast, you know, things like that, little posts on Facebook. The comments that I receive from you, it's just been so perfect and so needed. It has encouraged me to continue and thank you. I just want to say that. Thank you. So, I'm referring to Doctrine and Covenants section 19 today and then a wonderful conference talk by Spencer W. Kimball from 1973, October 1973 and I will share the actual title of his talk here shortly but Just a little background, I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago, and they just said that they have zero desire, no motivation, nothing to pursue a relationship with Heavenly Father. And that means not interested in reading from the scriptures, not praying, and um, not even turning on a conference talk and hitting play. And they're such simple measures, and it saves us. It saves us from so much heartache by seeking out our Father in Heaven in such small and simple ways. But for so many of us, these ways are just too much. It's overwhelming. And for me to not have that in my life, without it, life is overwhelming. But what can I do? I can't convince you, I can't convince this person to take the necessary time to devote just a few minutes each day. And yet they explain to me that the church makes them feel guilty, makes them feel burdened that they're not being perfect and they're not doing enough, so they just don't do anything at all. I don't know what to say to that, except baby steps. Baby steps your way back. Because any little tiny effort that you do is pleasing unto God. I promise. Any little tiny effort you do to seek Him out. There are so many promises So many promises, and my mind is swirling with that. I just don't even know where to begin except to say, I promise that if you take tiny little baby steps and hit play, say, I'm going to hit play and let this conference talk run in my house while I am cleaning the kitchen or I'm driving to work. So many of us think that we're not doing enough if we don't read the conference talk and highlight and make notations and, and then listen to it. Um, it just isn't very much expectation for us to just try. And okay, maybe not get on your knees every single morning and night, but definitely have a prayer in your heart. Heavenly Father, I need help. Heavenly Father, I'm thinking of Thee today. How can I draw closer to Thee? Those baby steps will add up. Just like I was looking at the calories on a Costco muffin. And I thought, if I nibbled on this muffin, just took a chunk out of it, little tiny bit every day, I would eat 700 extra calories in a week. So just like baby steps with the gospel, think about how many words that will cross your mind that will draw you closer to your Father in Heaven. And at the end of the week, think about all that you accomplished. Now, eating a Costco muffin isn't quite the same, but I'm just saying it's a huge amount And you were thinking, oh, I'll just have this little nibble here and this little nibble there. But over time, it's huge. So that isn't something we all want are all those extra calories, right? But something that we do want is all of the wonderful blessings that come with a a little tiny nibble of scripture here, a little nibble of conference talk there. A little nibble of prayer. How about just, we can't be in the temple right now, but how about just going and sitting on the grounds? It isn't much, but it is a lot. How about choosing a commandment and keeping it as best as you can, like... Someone said, okay, I am not going to go and buy soda on Sunday. I want a great big 44 ounce. And I've got the habit of going and getting that on Sunday. And that's just my delight. But I'm not doing that. I'm going to be determined not to do that. That is just a tiny little measure. But over time, you've got 52 Sundays in an entire year. That you made that decision 52 times. That's huge. Those little nibbles of the spirit in seeking out will be huge over time. And pretty soon it will be like a snowball. You start with a tiny little snowball and you roll it and roll it and roll it in the snow. And pretty soon you have the base of what could be a very large snowman. And it eventually... If you look at it, it could be a huge mountain for kids to play on. Think of all the little tiny things that we could do, and over time, they're huge. You read one page of a seven hundred page book and you think this is impossible to get through and Over a few weeks, you've read the book. How about looking at how about looking at how much weight you want to lose? oh, I've got 80 pounds to lose. But if you do it a little bit at a time, pretty soon you've lost five, and then it's 15. And then pretty soon you can say you've lost 32, and you're almost halfway there. Baby steps, baby steps. So in D&C 19, 25... 25- To probably about thirty or twenty-three to about thirty, in just a few verses. There is jam-packed instruction. And I think that's where we all look at it and go, I can't do all of this. So he says in DNC nineteen twenty-three, learn of me, listen to my words, walk in meekness of my spirit, and you shall have peace. I am Jesus Christ, I came by the will of the Father, and I do his will. Well, Jesus Christ does all of his will. So take a look at DNC 19 and pick out a couple of things that you know you can definitely do. Learn of him in baby steps, walk in his path, seek meekness, just nibble on this. Okay, how about do not covet? The place where I covet the most is getting on social media. So don't look at social media for a few days or say, I'm going to look at it one hour a day. And maybe that might be too much because you find that you're comparing your life to someone else's. Coveting is hard to avoid when you're looking at somebody else who's on a tropical location and you're sitting in the snow and if you've been if you've been following my podcast, you know how much I just love this now. So stop coveting. So try that. Okay, so you don't want to give up social media and you don't have an issue with comparing yourself or coveting. How about pray vocally? How about praying privately? How And how about in 29 it says, Declare glad tidings. Publish it upon the mountains and upon every high place. Okay, declare glad tidings. How about saying to someone, I really love your shoes. Or I really like what you did to your house. It's gorgeous. Or... Giving someone compliments that maybe you would have struggled with giving before. How about complimenting someone at work for doing a good job? And maybe your child didn't load the dishwasher just the way you would have done it, but they loaded the dishwasher. Don't go over and rearrange everything. The dishes will be fine. Close it up, hit start, wash the dishes, and say thank you. Glad tidings. How about practicing humility? How about saying thank you where you would have struggled saying thank you before? How about working on just trusting Heavenly Father? In my last podcast, it was all about that. Heavenly Father, if it be thy will. And I am telling you, I have been practicing my religion to a greater degree. And he has given me confidence and peace. Beyond, beyond any comprehension that I ever would have thought by simply, truly practicing those few words, if it be thy will. How about this one in verse 30? It says, revile not against revilers. So trusting in our Father in Heaven to take care of justice when we want so much to seek revenge. So don't be the reviler against the revilers. Don't go after someone. Let Heavenly Father take care of that. And practice forgiveness. So in just those few verses of do this and do that and do this and do that, don't do all of it. Because it can feel to be too much. Some of us just feel bogged down with all that we have going on, so nibble at it. Nibble at it in the way that you would love to nibble at a Costco double chocolate chip muffin. Of course, we don't want to have the 700 calories at the end of the week. But we also do definitely don't want 700 calories in five minutes of eating it. That is overwhelming. That is far worse. So over time, start on page one. Work on getting that first pound off. Little tiny baby steps. Hit play on a conference talk. Small things. In Doctrine and Covenants fifty-eight twenty-six through 29, I'm going to read just a little bit of that. For behold, it is not meet that I should command in all things, for he that is compelled in all things, the same is a slothful and not a wise servant. Wherefore he receiveth no reward. So we read something like that and we think we have to do all of it. And he's asking us to be anxiously engaged in a good cause. And overall, these things will bring to pass much righteousness. Righteousness. So just the fact that we are trying to turn ourselves to our Father in Heaven in tiny little baby steps, nibbling away at some of these things He's asking us to do, that is taking the right step in the direction of being anxiously engaged. I know that if we say you have to do this entire 28-page essay for your graduate school program in two days, that would be very overwhelming. But if your professor gives it to you at the, at the very beginning of your semester and says it's due in three months, don't wait until the night before. Nibble away at it. You know what? Really, all things can be nibbled away at. For growth, or for loss, however you want to look at it. Start small, start simply. If we look at Matthew 5, 1 through 12, we can take great comfort in these words from our Savior because in just 11 verses, eight of those verses, he says, blessed, 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 blessed. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are for those that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they which are persecuted. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So Spencer W. Kimball said, It seems that Jesus' heart was always filled with blessings. I want that. But if you go back through it and read, Blessed, 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 I don't know that I could definitely say that I'm always a peacemaker. I can't say that I'm always pure in heart. I can't always say that I'm poor in spirit. So I can choose one of those things that the Savior is talking about here. So I can be blessed. (laughs) Because it does seem that Jesus' heart was always filled with blessings. So in this wonderful conference talk from October 1973 from wonderful Spencer W. Kimball... I love this right here. I had to read it a few times, so bear with me. There are depths in the sea, which the storms that lash the surface into fury never reach. Those who reach down into the depths of life where the stillness of the sea is the voice of God is heard. Have the stabilizing power which carries them poised and serene through the hurricane of difficulties. So after I read that a couple of times, I realized that in the deep, deepest parts of the sea, it is always calm, but on the surface, the winds and the storms toss the waves Perilous, torrential waves of the sea that cause the largest ships that could be made by man roll and tumble over them. But as Spencer W. Kimball gives us this thought to search deep within the Earth's surface of the sea, the ocean, It is never affected by the storms storms of life, the hurricanes, the rain, the waves. There's always a stillness, and that is where we find God. That is where we can hear God's voice, and he carries us through the surface storms of life. He says, there are so many beautiful promises to read the scriptures and turn the pages. And it seems that it is almost all rewards, evidence of living the commandments of the Lord. And another solemn promise came from the Lord. And he that liveth in righteousness shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. If ye receive me in the world, then shall ye know me and shall receive your exaltation. That where I am, ye shall be also. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world liveth, giveth, give I unto you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He says, all this, what more could be desired or asked for? All these blessings and numerous others to every one of us who is willing to live the commandments and be truthful and honorable in our dealings. I bear witness that God has given us conditionally all these and thousands of other things. He has organized his true church upon the earth. This is his church. He has given us the total program which will carry us forward toward perfection he's given us prophets to lead us and guide us and so it might seem a tad bit overwhelming to say I cannot do all of it to turn our hearts completely and totally over to our father in heaven does require some change and it does require some sacrifice on our part but if we just take a little nibble at it and be consistent with it. Like a snowball. It begins to. Roll into something huge. A beautiful base. For a wonderful happy jolly snowman. And over time. Instead of saying. I can't do all of it. I'm just going to do none of it. Do one of it. In Last year's conference talk by President Nelson he says that there were two major civilizations demonstrating how easy it is for a majority of the people to forget God and rejecting the warnings of his prophets they preferred to seek power and popularity and pleasures of the flesh when we have the opportunity to seek purity and peace. So many of us are all or nothing. In various things in my life, I am that way. All or nothing. But I have learned that I'm going to fumble along the way and I just need to stand up, brush off, and keep going. I pray that my path will always be for righteousness. And as I nibble at it every single day, every single day, I know that I am protected. And I know that my efforts are not unnoticed. And I know that He loves me. I don't always feel that He loves me, but deep down I do know. So, I love reading the various posts on Worldwide Unified on Facebook, and there's one by Drew Young. He says, We all make mistakes. We all look back and say, What was I thinking? We all wish we could have some do overs. I know I do. But you know what? Everything we've done up to this point has made us who we are. It's time to stop looking at our past with regret and start looking at Jesus with gratitude. He is love, he is forgiveness, he is redemption. He is the sunrise after a night of darkness. He is the blanket we wrap ourselves in after a freezing day. Don't allow what has been done to you or what you have done become bigger than what Jesus did for you. It's time to own your belovedness Move forward with grace, hope, and action. Isn't that just perfect? For all of us who are so imperfect, it's just baby steps. It's just nibbling away at it. A consistent effort every single day, tiny. And over time, we will be able to feel closer to our Father in Heaven. I know that He will be pleased with all of whatever effort we offer. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Coaching Chaos and just start by one nipple. We'll see you next time. Hello and welcome to this episode of Coach and Chaos. Thank you so much for joining me. I am reading in DNC 20, and like DNC 1 through DNC 21 through 20, that's the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'll talk more about that in just a minute, but I'm focusing on an amazing conference talk by Elder Boyd K. Packer. And i actually love taking upon me the challenge when i come across a topic or a subject that i shy away from and i think i don't want to do that i don't want to read about that one that's that's going to be too difficult or that's going to be too hard to discuss and so as i go into it i am tugged on my heart and i know that it's something that i need to share and so this is from 1986 And it's called The One True Church or The Only True Church from Elder Boyd K. Packer. I'll put that in my notes. And I shy away from that because I know people don't like to declare that. And as I listen to this conference talk, there really isn't any other way to say it. There's no better. There's no best. It is what it is and it is the only true church, and that's okay to say. So as I begin doing a podcast and I think about how I'm going to publicize it or put it out there, I sometimes do and I sometimes don't, but on the times that I do, I cringe when I just about hit submit or post because, I'm worried about the opinions of others, and I'm worried about backlash, and I'm worried about friends from high school, what they think about this Mormon girl that they're rolling their eyes at now. And I think that's so silly. That's so silly. If I were to hear one of my kids say that they can't do this or that because they're worried about what their friends think, do you know what I tell them? Well, then they don't need to be your friend. Because those who matter don't mind And those who mind don't matter. And that's a quote from Dr. Seuss, and I love it. And I have to, even at my age, have to remind myself of it. Because as Elder Boyd K. Packer said in The Only True Church and in his conference talk, the Lord said that every man might speak in the name of God the Lord, even the Savior of the world, so humble men and women and even young people not professionally trained for this ministry, like me, carry on the work of the Lord, many of us, with little more than the spiritual conviction that it is true. And so here I am, with little more than just the simple knowledge within me. How do you know it's true? I know it's true because I feel it. Well, how do you know that what you're feeling is that it's true? It is true. I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my mind and I feel it throughout my whole being when I really begin to think about it and I think about my father in heaven. And yet it wasn't always so easy for me to to declare it. Um, in fact, it's it's lots of times still easy and I hold back, but I remember riding on the city bus on the way to school and thinking that I was the only member of the church on that bus. I was pretty confident that I was in Central California, and I had this feeling to just to sit up a little taller. I was teary-eyed even because I was so grateful to my Father in Heaven for blessing me little nobody me to have the truth and the understanding that it is the truth it doesn't get better than that and so elder packer says but we must hold tightly to it even though some may turn away and we might worry about diplomacy or popularity and and if we're saying the right words If we, it's so easy to second guess ourselves. He told a story about um, an experience he had when he was serving in the military and during World War II, and he was stationed with, um, bunking with these other young men who were from different parts of the country, and some was one was from a very wealthy family in the east. And he talked about his private schools that he attended and that their family went to the continent during the summers. And Elder Packer says I didn't even know what the continent was, and later I found out that it meant that they went to Europe every year. And the father of the next boy was the governor of Ohio and was on the president's cabinet. And so it went like that, that each of these young men that he was rooming with were from pretty prestigious backgrounds. And then he says, when I finally got the courage to speak, I told them, I came from a little town in Utah that you've probably never heard of and that I'm a family of 11 children. And my father owns a little gas station And I'm a member of the Mormon church. And so as it went like that, he realized that he was accepted for the mere fact that he was different in his background and he wasn't ashamed to declare it. And they accepted him. And he said from that point on, he was never embarrassed or ashamed to state who he was and where he was from. Sometimes blunt language as in this is the only true church can offend people and sometimes we're tempted to disregard those words but like I said it is what it is so years ago when I was in high school I went with my friends to a party and at this party it was a full house of lots of cool kids and there was alcohol and I went and stood up against the wall because my friends were all drinking and and having a good time I don't know if they felt like they were having a good time the next morning but I stood up against the wall and I felt really discouraged and I started thinking about my own family and I thought I have five Kids in my family. I'm the oldest of five kids. And I began to feel really ashamed of that. And then I began to be really ashamed that I wasn't participating and I wasn't being like the cool kids and holding a a beer or a red solo cup in my hand. And I began to feel ashamed that I was a Mormon. And as I leaned up against this wall, There was this really, really cute boy that I saw every month at stake dances. And he was in the same situation that I was in. He went with some friends and he was from a different high school and he saw me standing there. And all of the sudden, even though he was there too, all of the sudden I felt an even greater amount of shame because there was a fellow member of the church at this party with lots of kids and beer and there we both were. And so we just got to laughing and chatting and talking about the fact that we were both in that same position and didn't really have the ability to just leave their friends because somebody else was driving or I was the one driving or something. And the shame of seeing this other fellow church member and being caught quote unquote caught at a party, just like you would if you were caught in a grocery store on Sunday and you saw a fellow church member and even though they're a member of the church, you're embarrassed because you got caught. Yes, I I sometimes will feel that way if I'm ever in a grocery store and I'm like, I'm just getting medicine, my baby's fevering at 104, and here come all of the excuses. But the shame was even greater when I saw my fellow church member. And I realized that I would rather not partake of those things because I wanted to have the approval of my friends than having to face my father in heaven. The shame would be even greater. But I remember feeling that kind of shame. Have you ever felt that way? Embarrassed or ashamed of your membership of the church or the family that you come from? Well, I think we have those experiences because it is necessary. It is necessary because in the moments that we realize our testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, don't you think that it's all the more powerful because we were once in the ditches of the shamefulness? That when we rise up out of it, we realize what we have. Elder Packer says we did not invent the doctrine of the only true church. It came from the Lord. Whatever perception others have of us, however presumptuous we appear to be, whatever criticism is directed at us, we must teach it to all of his children, whether they listen or not. He talks about a time that he was asked to go and speak. At, a, at Harvard University, there was a member of the church who was campaigning for public office in the United States, and so here Elder Packer was asked to come and speak at Harvard, and he was, he was excited, he was thrilled. He was going to share the cos- the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they were all going to leave that conference in feeling of unison, of the excitement and joy that the gospel is here upon the earth both faculty members and students were to be present, and as he prayed that that would be the outcome, that they would all flock to him and want to be baptized, he determined that however much he hoped that that would be true, he had a very strong feeling that that would not be the case. And he had this feeling that regardless of how preposterous talk of angels and gold plates and a restoration might be to them, that he would go forth and he would teach it with quiet confidence. He says, because I have a testimony of the truth. If some must come from the meeting unsettled and disturbed, let them. And I think about Abinadi and how he was trying to, to teach King Noah and the people of King Noah And out of all of the people that he came back to talk to a couple of different times and he was finally burned at the stake. There was one. There was one. And who was that? That was Alma and what a hero he became to be in the Book of Mormon and how he is one of our favorites to read. Just as Elder Packer said it was as the Spirit foretold him that yes, some did shake their heads in amazement, they were even cynical, and they could not believe that we believe such things. But he said, I was at peace, I had taught the truth, and they could accept it or reject it as they pleased. Just as Alma, he stood up from the cabinet, or the board of directors, or his role of duty of whatever it was that he was he was in he stood up from the table and he walked away and he did have others follow him but I love that uh, that Abinadi was bold even to the point of losing his life but if it be that he saved one soul then he has done his work I think about all the years that I've tried to be a good example to all those around me and I get so discouraged because I think all of this work, all of this effort, is it for nothing? And Elder Packer says, there is always the hope and often it is true that one among them with an open mind may admit one simple thought, could it possibly be true? And yet combined with that thought and sincere prayer, just like Joseph Smith, they might come to know that it is the one and only true church. And I, like Elder Packer, as I grow in age and experience, I grow ever less concerned over whether others agree with me or not. I grow even more concerned that they understand us if they do understand they have their agency And can accept or reject the gospel as they please. So I did a bold move, even myself the other day. Somebody asked for some book recommendations, some inspirational books that they were hoping would enlighten their mind and help them. And there was like, oh, I don't know, 30, 40 comments of different self-help books. And I read through the list and there were some members of the church who offered some suggestions and I just thought, well, my self-help book is the Book of Mormon, but I'm not going to post that because then I'll be scoffed at and mocked at and they'll probably unfriend me and I'll probably get eye rolls that I will be blissfully unaware about. But I went back to the post and I put, well, the Book of Mormon has always been an inspiration for me and it helped me the very most especially getting through 2020 and I just hit submit and I posted it not one single like not one comment nothing but there were eyes that had to have seen it because it was a popular post and I went forward with faith and I even had to say a little prayer before I hit submit and I've just let it go. I've let it go and let God work it because He knows that my heart was sincere. I love this again and I will share this with you. Brethren and sisters, never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never apologize for the sacred doctrines of the gospel. Never feel inadequate and unsettled because you cannot explain them to the satisfaction of all who might inquire of you. Do not be ill at ease or uncomfortable because you can give little more than your conviction. Be assured that if you will explain what you know and testify of what you feel, you may plant a seed that will one day grow and blossom into their own testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And. As I said in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 20, verses 14 and 15, and those who receive it in faith and work righteousness shall receive a crown of eternal life. But those who harden their hearts in unbelief and reject it, it shall be to their own condemnation. By these things we know that there is a God in heaven who is infinite and eternal from everlasting to everlasting and that he created man, male and female, after his own image and likeness, and gave them commandments that they should serve and love him, the only true and living God. And by transgression of these holy laws, man can become sensual and devilish and become fallen. And yet our Father sent his only begotten Son, and he suffered temptations but gave no heed, and he was crucified and died and rose again. And he showed us the way. In just section 20 of the Doctrine and Covenants, in those few verses, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I was listening to this wonderful conference talk by Elder Boyd K. Packer, and I let it run because I normally do, because I'll listen to it as I'm on my way to work or as I'm getting ready or um, as I'm exercising. And then it goes on to the next conference talk. And the next conference talk following Elder Packer was a beautiful talk by Let Us Move This Work Forward. And it's by Gordon B. Hinckley. And I'm not going to go into detail on that talk. But, oh, this just summed up how I was feeling this morning. He says... I pray that we may return to our homes and do so with stronger resolution to live the gospel and to teach our children by precept and example. And then he says this. Nephi's great words to his father when he and his brothers were asked to go back to Jerusalem for the record of their forebears are quoted frequently among us they are familiar to all of you, nonetheless I wish to repeat them with the suggestion that each of us return to our homes, and for myself to be all the less ashamed because I am going about my Father's work. But the way that President Hinckley says this, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded, for I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them, that they may accomplish the thing which he commanded them. First Nephi 3.7 Go forward and be not ashamed, and bear boldly your testimony, that you know that this is the only true church on this earth, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Coach and Chaos. And if you appreciate these words and they've illuminated and strengthened your testimony and mind this day, please share them with someone else who may need them. We'll see you next time. Hello and welcome to this episode of Coaching Chaos, my special episode that I like to call Best Friend Friday. And with me, I have my new best friend, Lorna Olson. Thank you so much for joining me, Lor- Lorna. I am talking with Lorna and in the middle of talking with her, I realized, oh no, she's Relief Society, Stake Relief Society president and all of a sudden I got really intimidated (laughs) and I thought, wait, I don't know that I want to keep doing this. Um, Lorna, but really I wanted everyone to know a little bit about what you are doing these days. And the word coaching is, um, really admirable. And so tell me a little bit about how you got into that and what your program focuses on.
1: Well, thank you, Sheree, for having me today. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be on your podcast. Um, I love what you're doing, so good job, and thank you for having me on today. Um, So I am a life coach. I was trained in 2018, but I've been interested in it um, since three or four years before that. Um, I was trained through the life coach school, which, in my opinion, is the best school for life coaches out there. And it's taught me really how to think about how I'm thinking that can create the results that I want in my life. And honestly, my life was really good before I started learning about life coaching, but it just opened up my level of understanding um, to a point that it just... Was, it just made my life so much better and then I started using it on my own children I have six kids and um, I taught them about life coaching, some of them were more receptive than others um, depending on where they were in their life, you know and, and as I talked to them about it they grasped it so easily and I was just really drawn to helping the younger generation and my husband was uh, YSA Bishop for a while, right when right when I was getting my training. He was uh, Bishop uh, at the local college here and he um, had a lot to do with people that wanted to serve a mission and so I really was interested in helping um, those that wanted to serve a mission become really confident in their ability to go on a mission to be able to handle any kind of adversity or um, trials that they might have on the mission. A lot of youth that want to serve a mission haven't had a lot of life experience and so um, they get on a mission and they really, um, some of them really struggle emotionally to be able to handle the different situations that they're put in, especially if they're, learning a new language and things like that, um, it can be pretty discouraging sometimes. And so I created a program to be able to help missionaries get, um, get all of these tools, these life coaching tools that can help them um, understand how to create um, thoughts that are motivating to keep them going um, in their goals and things like that and also to question the ones that are slowing them down. And anyway, it's just really fun to be able to work with youth. I've worked with youth um, for a lot of years. That's what most of the callings in the church that I've had have been working with the young women, and and I've, I've loved it. I love Relief Society as well. Um, it's I think Relief Society has helped me evolve um, into being able to understand myself better and my role in the in the gospel as a woman, as a mother, and now as a grandmother, I've got two grandbabies and one that will be born any day. So, Oh my gosh. Anyway, that's a little bit about me.
0: Being a grandma is the best, but uh, <laughs> it sounds like being a coach is the best too. So you have three different uh, programs, Intertwined. Yes. So beginning, yeah. middle of mission, so, and after mission.
1: Yeah, I do. I at first I was just helping the missionaries prepare, and that was my focus for a while. And then I realized that even w- when they're on their mission, you know, they um, they need help. And then I've watched my own missionaries come home from a mission and really struggle. I mean, they serve valiantly and come home, and they feel a little lost for a while. And so, I've created a three-tier program where they can just get the basics and practice those on their own, or they can get the basics plus mission help. Which the mission help, um, we don't do any one-on-one coaching or anything during that time. But they are they are able to send me an email and. I will respond to them, and they can send a very specific situation, like, I was at this apartment, and I was teaching this person, and my companion was, you know, driving me crazy, or whatever, and they can write it all out, and then I can basically write back a coach's response to try and help them get through the emotions of it and be able to come out of it, you know, better on the other side.
0: Well, I love that, because um, lots of times, missionaries feel like they have to present themselves in the utmost of perfection and when they write home to parents they don't want to be disappointing they don't want the parents to begin to worry so they give the very very best right. light so it feels like to me when i listen to this portion of your coaching that they have the ability to write as authentically and vulnerably bu- with mm-hmm. with the greatest amount of vulnerability as possible because they know that sister olson is not going to judge me she's going to give me the very best in care and I can move forward knowing that I have put my pain out there and that somebody has listened and responded and I haven't disappointed the mission president and I haven't gotten into an argument with my companion or I haven't disappointed my parents because all of those things through this these youth that's what goes through their mind and here you've been able to respond with a huge amount of love and with your skill and expertise, giving them the best direction that a coach can. That's a wonderful component to your program.
1: Yeah, well, and it, it is something that they can tell me that, you know, and, you know, parents do hear a lot of it, especially now that missionaries are, are able to call, call home, home. uh uh-huh. the good and the bad. And yet a lot of parents don't know how to help. They they
0: they don't know how to help. Too
1: bad, you know, or whatever. Or I wish I could help, but I don't know. You know, I'm here, you're there. Just you know, suck it up.
0: (laughs) Suck it up, or yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, and they so they don't know how to respond. But as a coach, I can help them to be able to see. You know, this might be helping you, um, or this may not be helping you to think about it this way. And that's basically you help them
0: them work through through their thinking errors and being a third party you That's have exactly. the ability to um separate yourself from the emotional part of it that parents get intertwined with.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and then when they come home from their mission, um I just do a brief four week one-on-one coaching again just to kind of help them reevaluate, okay, now I'm home, what do I want to do? What do I need to be thinking to be able to, you know, do what I want to do and and just to help them come back to living, but not feeling like they're leaving anything behind, um, that they're actually moving forward toward a brighter future, that nothing, uh, we're not backpedaling at all. You know, a lot of missionaries, because they're all of a sudden out of the-, the
0: Right, they're out of really the mission regiment, field. And
1: they don't have the missionary companions stuck to their side all the time. They kind of feel lost, but that's actually a good thing because from there, they can take all the things they did learn on their mission and really implement it for themselves exactly how Heavenly Father wants them to. And it's a step forward, not a step back. And a lot of them don't understand that. So it's so fun to be able to help them see that. And then they get excited about being home and about what is forward, what is coming.
0: Well, so I, I would love to be able to give your name out to every return missionary that I have spoken to. I have one of, um, my husband's, uh, players on his volleyball team. She returned home Uh from her mission and I had a conversation about these exact things. And she said it took her several months to stop hating God. Yeah, I was so stunned by that. But she explained to me that here she was so needed and she was so scheduled every single day that when she came home, it was literally like falling face first and and hitting rock bottom. She didn't know where to turn, didn't know what to do with herself. Uh, her parents thought that they were doing her a huge favor saying, just relax here, are the 10 movies that you missed while, while you were gone. And, and she said she hated it. And, um, and then especially she came home during the pandemic and she said, I couldn't even go to my grandparents' home because they were worried about getting sick. And she said, I was literally watching minutes tick by until my parents got home from work. And it was, so awkward yeah. I didn't know how to relate to them anymore and I loved my mission so much and yet all of a sudden I hated it and I hated my experience and I hated God because I worked so hard to just be like okay thanks see you later and she was completely on her own and she was really wrestling in a faith crisis and she yeah. she uh, was able to talk to me about it on the other side of it now she's, she has since gotten herself into school and gotten a job and got busy with, with, um, other sister companions that came home. And, and so things do begin to sort themselves out, but wow, wouldn't she have benefited from your program? That would have been
1: a huge, you can share as much as you want. And I'm trying to get, um, more out there on, you know, Facebook and things like that. I haven't been a real social media person, but I'm doing better. And so, you know, hopefully I can, I can get it out there a little bit because I know it is such a, I think it was actually harder for my kids to come home and the transition to coming home than it was for them to leave. Um, because I just, I watched, I watched that and then so that's when I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna somehow help. I need to be able to help them to to understand. You know what now? What do I do now? And yes. help it, help it look good to them instead of just feel like it's you know two steps backwards. And I feel like everybody wants to be the old me, but I'm nothing like the old me. I mean, yes. I I hear that a lot when they move back home. Parents haven't seen. All the things that they 've been doing for the last year and a half or two years and and so
0: it's um, it seems it's to good me to be like able
1: to help them
0: It would be very helpful me also having two return missionaries to have a coaching session for the parents prior to mm-hmm. their children coming home. Kate, don't think that they have to be caught up on movies. Don't think you're doing them a favor by yeah. doing their laundry and just put your feet up. No, they want to come home and they want to do yard work. They want to help with deep cleaning. They they need to be put to work in a very fast way so that they continually feel needed until they can kind of come down out of the mission high a little bit instead of just hitting the cement floor face first, mm-hmm. going from yeah. so scheduled to That's nothing. idea.
1: I've actually coached quite a few moms, um, but more on the front end than the back end. I haven't done very many on the back end. Actually, I haven't done any on the back end yet because I'm still just sending them out. And they're still yes. out on their missions right now. But, um, But that is my hope, is that I can start helping them on the back end when they come home and to help parents understand things that are helpful for them as well that would be a very powerful lesson so I'm and and, about
0: that. and especially to that, that that yeah the mission presidents say now go home and get married I hear that a lot but <laughs> don't don't have that be your primary focus when you get home because you want to make sure that that yeah you want to fulfill the mission president's request but on the same token you want to do what is right and for yeah, you yeah. that you are going to school for you you are going into your chosen profession for you or not go to school you want to come home and get right into a job or maybe you do meet someone right away that's great maybe you don't that's okay Mm -hmm. that you will live life and as long as you do it according to how you feel the whisperings of the spirit then Mm -hmm. you are doing it right right don't, don't feel discouraged if things aren't going the way that you had hoped. But, you know, this reminds me of the conference talk, God will do something unimaginable by Elder Ukdorf in last uh, conference. And it's October 2020. Yeah. He, he talks about these things exactly that, that the adversity that we experience in our lives our Father in Heaven uses them to bring about His purposes. And so when we are in the throes of agony, you know, coming home from a mission or in the middle of your mission or scared to head out on a mission, all of those moments are for our teaching and they're actually to help bring forth His purposes. And...
1: I love that. I really love that. So there's a section of that talk that um, talks about being seeds. Yes. And how sometimes when we are a seed, so say a a missionary comes home from his mission, he's served faithfully for two years, he gets dropped back into his life pre-mission, and it feels awkward. It feels like he shouldn't be there. He misses his mission. He misses the purpose that he had. In that moment, he is again... A seed. And just like, you know, it talks about the temple being the foundation of the Salt Lake Temple had to be covered and then they re-excavated.
0: Yes, it, and they unearthed they it. That,
1: yeah, that they needed to replace the stones. And then just like that, in this talk, it talks about us being a seed. Again, sometimes we need to be completely covered, completely redone
0: for us to be able to grow the way
1: Heavenly Father wants us to. And I
0: love that. For them to have unearthed that and to defined all of the cracks in the foundation. And I think that's what happens to each of us is that when we are buried in trial, we do cave under that pressure. And if we do look to God, He can help repair those and we are even stronger going forward. And just as we can look to our beautiful Salt Lake Temple, how it has been able to withstand hundreds of years now. Um, and uh-huh. that's because it went through its own trials and its foundation. And in, yeah. in, in the conference talk, it's, it, he says, it is my witness that at times we may feel buried by the trials of life or surrounded by emotional darkness, such as when you come home from a mission. And how about those that come home early from a mission? They feel like complete failures for some reason that that was your mission. Your week out. That was your mission. You're six months out. That was your mission, but Uh you served and there's no reason to feel surrounded by that darkness, the love of God and the blessings of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ will bring something unimaginable to spring mm-hmm. forth.
1: Right, yeah. And I, you know, I haven't had as many of those, but I do know other coaches that focus just on missionaries that come home early. So um I know that they're out there.
0: There, and there is I, definitely you know, a need for that. I would love that. to coach them
1: as well. In fact, I think they're...
0: Um, I, I saw a Facebook post the other day
1: that I thought, Hmm, is she home, early? Yeah. <laughs> so I might have one already that I'm going to go sniff out and see if, see if she needs any help because she it really
0: is. may be buried and feeling like she doesn't want anybody yeah. to know right now. So yeah, she may need you more than anybody else right now, Lorna.
1: Well, and it really is, you know, we, we are hard on ourselves, so much. And this talk that you were talking about really does help us to see that every single thing that we go through adds to our learning, adds to our growth. And if we see it that way, then it's so much easier to trust in heavenly
0: father's plan well he he does like we
1: think
0: it's supposed to look (laughs) and and you and you do feel like he has abandoned me and he even he even talks about joseph smith and liberty jail and he says you know i know you're in you're in jail right now but these are all things for your experience and i could if it was me i'd be like um okay i am done get me out (laughs) of here and i'm going to go climb a hill and camp out under a tree and i'm not going to talk or see anybody for the rest of my life i am good i am done leading this church he talks about joseph who was who was sold into slavery and abandoned by his own family and yet he saved generations you know he he did he did have these people have to go through these things in order for him to bring about his purposes but when we are in the midst of them when we are in the midst of them how easy do it is it that we do feel abandoned and that's that's not at all heavenly father's goal he he even says first the righteous are not given a free pass that allows them to avoid the valleys of shadow We must walk through difficult times for it is through the times of adversity that we learn principles that fortify our characters and cause us to draw closer to God. And then second, our Heavenly Father knows that we suffer and because we are all his children, he will not, I love this part, he will not abandon us. So even as we are despairing, we need to think, okay, step back take a breath and trust and trust yeah. and so yeah. what is what is a time that that maybe you've spoken to a missionary who has written to you in in despair like do you have an example of when you had no words except he has not abandoned you just trust
1: you know i do teach them before they even go out a lot about what faith is and how it really is tied to not knowing every answer to every question you have but knowing that heavenly father knows
0: yes everything
1: that's going to happen everything that that you'll be put through um as missionaries have had to rethink almost everything that they do because they've had to deal with pandemic times yes um it's been hard for them and a lot of them have really struggled but coming you know now we've been through a, almost a year of this pandemic um it's it's coming to life we're seeing the
0: church roll forth the
1: good fruits
0: yes yeah, of
1: what is happening and and how exciting it is and how they're able to do more teaching and their scope is broader they
0: People um, are coming to them. Yeah,
1: yep, the people are coming to them. Elder Uchtdorf of- even
0: even says that. Um, mm-hmm. He says, God will watch over and shepherd you during these times of uncertainty and fear. During this pandemic, even me, my natural man way of thinking is, oh my goodness, okay, we have fasted globally twice. Why didn't this zip up and um, finish up and move forward you know, within the next week. I was honestly expecting that. But as I've read this talk and what Elder Uchtdorf shared with us is that we have been able to learn new ways of ministering. We've been able to learn new ways of missionary work. And we have actually drawn closer together and rallied forth together. And he says, however, the pandemic is revealing new, more creative ways of reaching out to the honest in heart. The work of gathering Israel is increasing in power and enthusiasm. And yeah. he talks about how one sister says to the missionaries, Where have you been? I have been waiting <laughs> for you. Yeah. And that is every missionary's dream is to have someone say where have you been yeah i found you on the internet i i know this church is true and i have been waiting for it people are hungry for it,
1: it it is the lord's work and so instead of trying to go back to before you know heavenly father's asking us to move forward to use what we're learning during this time and keep moving forward and this, um you know what is in the future is amazing honestly yes, amazing. i
0: amazing i
1: have been just thinking about it i've been reading in in ether um just the last few days and it's been on my mind so i'll share it with you um, at the first part of Ether, I think it's chapter four, where he is talking about um, the things that Ether or the brother of Jared saw, and that it wasn't able to be put in the record of the Book of Mormon because we needed to have, you know, we needed to have faith. And then after he says that we will receive that portion, the sealed portion after we have been sanctified through jesus christ and i was like wow so we won't get that until
0: until (laughs) we have
1: the second time but that um that's when the nephites got it the first time when after the savior came to the nephites then the record of the brother of Jared was opened up to them because the people had been sanctified and purified and they became a, a Zion people, a one people. And then they were able to take that, um, all of that knowledge that the brother of Jared had written down and use it. And then it was taken away again when they got wicked again. And so I look forward to it. I mean, it it actually made me really excited to know that Someday we're going to have that. Someday we're going to have that kind of a, a society again. And we're going to have to go through some hard things to get there, but how he, yes. unimaginable it can be in a good way for us to be able to look forward to that and to become the righteous people that we need to be so that, that
0: can come about and elder uchtdorf even says that exact thing lorna he says now hold on just one second that doesn't mean we're not going to experience some turbulence and uh-huh. things may get worse before they get better and ooh, that takes right. my breath away a little bit when i'm like oh <laughs> do we have to go through more possibly but just think about what that looks like on the other side And the things that we can say, we can, we can wear those, I survived 2020 t-shirts with pride, you know, (laughs) we got through it. Um, but how much stronger will our foundation be because we have been repaired and prepared. And he even says that we need to dig a little bit deeper on the personal side of our spirituality. And what does that look like more? more um purpose in prayer scripture study maybe maybe more people will need to start a podcast so they can practice mindfulness that was my purpose (laughs) so I can really really practice what I am reading and sharing and living that to a greater degree and so I love that for you your greater spiritual seeking has been serving these elders and sisters and their families so that they can overcome these deepening trials, if you will, um, that they can come home and carry on successfully and look to their mission with love and appreciation rather than resentment as my friend my friend experienced and I I share that because she really is a success story but I think there are still a lot of those who return home and they just feel like they are no longer needed and they feel like their worth has diminished and that's not the case and it's where DNC 12317 steps in and we need to sit back cheerfully And sometimes that's the hardest commandment to follow, to sit back cheerfully and wait for the Lord's arm to be revealed. What is the next thing for me to do now that I have finished my mission? Or what is the next thing for me to do while I am serving my mission and I am struggling? I'm going to reach out to Sister Olson and see what she suggests. (laughs) You know, what is, what is my fear for serving a mission? Well, I'm going to seek out Sister Olson's coaching and, and hear her encouragement. I just think what you are doing is helping others, but I'm sure you have benefited immensely in your own spiritual growth. I have,
1: I have this coaching is, is something that I practice every day and it has helped me so much. Um, one of the things that that I have recently learned, um, our area is in a pretty severe drought. My brother-in-law has a well um, that he uses for his home and in drought times, it goes dry every year. So he's actually, he, you know, I think about him. My tap still turns on every summer but he struggles with it and so um and it's just our groundwater is is has been depleted Depleted. we don't have as much Mm -hmm. as as we wanted and so you know we're praying for moisture we fasted as a stake for moisture and we actually fasted in conjunction with other stakes in the area for moisture to come and and i realized in my pondering about my fast and and continuing um too fast for moisture my husband and i are farmers and we rely on the moisture that comes to our mountains and valleys um when it's not there we can't water our crops and so you know in a in a very real way it, it 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 affects us and yet i feel like we are still so blessed but what what i learned recently is when heavenly father um when we go to heavenly father to ask for these things to ask for moisture and and we plead with him that is the point of him not giving us the moisture in the first place the reason why he withholds it ever
0: is, is because to have a need he
1: needs us mm-hmm. to need him and
0: i have never thought of it that like way it, yeah because how, how do we build a relationship with our Father in Heaven if we are not needing?
1: Yeah, He wants us to need Him, and He wants us to turn to Him. And so that's why we get one out of ten years being a normal year, and the rest of them are not normal. Because during those not normal <laughs> water precipitation years, we are going to Him. We are pleading with Him. We are begging Him. We are looking at our own sacrifice and saying, what can we give? What do you need us to give so that we're worthy of this blessing? And, you know, in all of that, it brings us to our Heavenly Father. And and I love that He wants that for us probably more than we understand and how He's just waiting for us to reach out to Him so that He can bless us and that when we do, He will bless us.
0: So, and in the meantime, uh, during all of the struggle and strife that you go to go through, you have mm -hmm. to submit yourself cheerfully. Yes. Yeah.
1: And is that be okay with it? And
0: you might not have water and you know that you're dealing with that, but you have to deal with that without grumbling and murmuring. You have to find a Mm -hmm. way to be peaceful about it and be yeah. more creative with what you have.
1: And heavenly Father can make a crop grow without water. You've <laughs> seen that happen too.
0: Ha, you've seen those miracles. That that to me yeah. is a miracle. Yeah. That is amazing. That that is seriously sitting back and watching the arm of the Lord be revealed in those moments. Uh-huh. So how how is it that you have the ability to be a farmer and then to coach these sisters and elders (laughs) you are pretty amazing Lorna and I am so grateful (laughs) that I get to have a few minutes of your day to talk to you about these these sacred things there's There's, there was a tugging on your heart as to why you needed to do this. And that's something I definitely understand about why I continue on in my podcast. Mm -hmm. And no matter how busy I am with my six kids too, I also have six and then I'm in grad school and I work and then (laughs) I, I think, oh, I can't keep going forward with this. I'm too busy, but there's something that pulls me along. And what an example you are to me that you take a Monday out of your week I'm sure every minute of your day is jam-packed with all that you have going on but you sit down and you read these emails from these needing missionaries and you reach out to them and I know that I Heavenly love Father that. inspires <laughs> I you
1: Mondays are like some of the best days ever now because I get to hear from the missionaries that I've coached and, and grown to love and and it's it's a blessing. It's a huge blessing in my life. And I, I'm grateful that Heavenly Father has led me to this path. And I really feel like I'm helping Him do His work. And He's helping me become who I need to
0: be. You know what? When for. we serve Him, He helps us serve Him. hmm So, Lorna, how, how is it that if someone who is listening to this right now, how can they find you to get in touch and and um seek out your services
1: yeah. um if they're interested um i i have a website it's lorna com, and that's olson with an o-n and they can get on there and um they can reach out to me there or um i also have an email that's lorna at lorna com, and they can just send me a quick email and let me know that they're interested. I have gotten most of my interest through Facebook ads, but if you haven't seen a Facebook ad or you're not on Facebook, that's, you know, this is another way to be able to find me. So I would love to coach any moms or youth that are interested in doing any of that.
0: Well, you definitely have a service that is very much needed. And so I am so grateful for this opportunity to have been able to learn a little bit more about it. And I hope that anybody who's listening, if there is something here that has been helpful to you to reach out to Lorna or to share her contact information so that we can help these sweet missionaries continue forth and come home in peace and be be emboldened to that that they can go out and serve but that they have a sweet sister on a listening end of an email that will encourage them and strengthen them so lorna thank you so much for joining me me. this has been such a delightful conversation and thank you to all who are listening And again, should you find something here that was especially illuminating for you and you feel like this information will bring someone else closer to our Savior and to our Father in Heaven, please, please share it. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Coach and Chaos. I am Shari Reynolds with Lorna Olson, and we will see you next time.